0: I hey. you. Blast 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 off on another episode of Hero Paranormal Podcast, broadcasting from the base at La Madre Mountain, just south of Area 51. My name is Ryan, the original Theological Rebel of the Airwaves, bringing you an epic episode today. Today we are talking to one of the most most knowledgeable individuals I've ever spoken with uh, when it comes to many, many things, whether that is the items we place in our body, which uh, make us healthy or unhealthy, whether that is the high strangeness of the Uinta Basin in Utah, or whether it is what the elites are up to, what the future holds and he, he always seems to bring things together in a way that makes sense to a person like me. When you want the truth, you've got to go to true. And I'm talking about the amazing True Ott. He is epically, epically knowledgeable in so many areas. I could, he's, he's the kind of guy you could have on the podcast every day discussing something different, and it would be Amazing. True Ott, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. How you doing? Thank you so much, uh, Ryan.
1: I'm doing wonderfully well. Better than I deserve, actually.
0: I love it. That's what I like to hear. You, I think you deserve quite a bit because um, I was kind of going in, into it in the intro a little bit about how you're the type of person that I could have on the podcast every day discussing a different topic because you're so knowledgeable of so many different things and I don't really know where to start. So wh- where would you like to kick this off?
1: Wow, thank you so much. Those are very kind words. I, I know enough to be dangerous, I submit, and that uh, the question is because it, it becomes, who am I dangerous to? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this. thank you so much. There's so much going on. Uh, but it really boils down to the thing that everybody's really in their, in their heart of hearts is concerned about, I submit, is you know this uh, uh, inflationary cycles. I mean, we we have been so blessed in this country not to you know to to, to have so much really uh, supply chains, the lines uh, we have we have just been so blessed to have anything we really want, and that I submit is is uh, coming to a rapid close, not. By accident, but very much by design, I submit.
0: It sure seems like it. It seems um, as if we've kind of, uh, the pendulum has swung and there's no end in sight where it might end. You hear about supply chain issues, stagflation, inflation, uh, the stock market, uh, cryptocurrencies, everything. It seems to be hanging by a thread.
1: Well, it does. And do you, so I just want to just, just kind of go back to the very basics, if we could, and understand what I've been really been focusing on myself for the last, actually, 35 years. I uh, don't know if you knew this about me, but golly, I was uh, uh, given a scholarship in 1984. I, I I graduated in accounting from the university, and then went into uh, international competition with the Professional Business League (PBL). And I don't know, you know, I'm not bragging. I'm just declaring facts. I I won the national competition in accounting and business in business administration, actually. And th- as as that, this was uh, 19 1983 is when I actually graduated. So that tells you how long I've been at this. <laughs> But I got to tell you I I uh, went into uh, the Chartered Financial Consultant uh, arena. I was fully intending to go and get my my certified public accountant CPA uh, designation as I did graduate in accounting and business administration and I really didn't like the IRS code. I'll be honest and frank with you. I I don't know, maybe it's just maybe I one of my college professors, actually more than one, had accused me of thinking too deeply uh, on certain issues. And I said, well, wait a minute. Since when is that a problem? <laughs> Since when is, can you think too deeply in a university setting? Isn't that what we're supposed to do, is think deeply? <laughs> and my professor said, well, you all to go again. You're thinking too deeply. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, you know... In other words, they just don't want the boat rocked, okay? Yeah. And I don't mind telling you, uh, it bothered me that the university setting was there just, okay, don't rock the boat. Don't go deep into questioning. Just just tell and regurgitate, regurgitate what we tell you, and everything will be fine, and you'll, you'll pass with flying colors and, and so forth and so on. Well, wait a minute things just didn't add up and I don't mind telling you where this all started because I mean I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here my plan was to graduate get a CPA and go on to law school I was actually accepted the University of Utah and a couple of other law schools to go on I um, and I was I thought being a CPA and getting a, a law degree I could pretty much write my own ticket anywhere and that was my goal, Ryan. I wanted to do that and set that up. But, but what happened in my, my junior year, uh, as I finished up my intermediate accounting and my tax accounting classes at the university level, I began to think, something is dreadfully wrong with the system. And let me explain if I can, okay? Mm-hmm. So... We look at, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm just being logical here. I'm not thinking, trying to overthink something. But in the uh, my tax accounting classes, I, you know, we, we, the first part of it is all learning the terminologies. You got to learn definitions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we, uh, we're studying the IRS code and the very core definitions of that IRS code. The number one thing is, you know, we're, we're talking about income taxation, correct? hmm So what is the very definition of income? Now, to me, this is like the basic rock, solid foundational stuff here. And, <laughs> and I was just shocked. I'm thinking, why is nobody else thinking this is a problem? Am, am I the only one, you know? I, I, I was shocked that nobody else saw this, and let, let alone my professors. Because the definition of, of income in the IRS code itself put out by these attorneys, right, from the Federal Reserve in 1913, the IRS code defines income, uh, gross income, as income from all sources. Now, do you see the problem? Mm-hmm. How can you define something without defining it, okay? Income, gross income, income. From all sources? Well, what the hell is income? See, you are going to define income. And when I pressed that, I said, that's, that's like being told to, to go into a round room and, and urinate in a corner. I mean, it, it doesn't make any logical sense. There's no corner. And my professors were like, well, income is income. Okay. Then what is the damn definition of income? And you know it's funny they they wouldn't or couldn't give it to me and that bothered me well I was also taking at the time Ryan business law and so I went into my business law books and went into black law dictionary and got the definition legally of what income is and it was just amazing because income is legally legally defined as increase your personal increase
0: okay interesting interesting
1: it's your increase and so then you have to ask what is an increase well then you go back into you know you have a basis of value okay financial basis you have you know you can only have a an increase if you are basically worthless as an individual that goes back into our basic founding fathers uh Thomas Jefferson's writings and papers and 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 uh, Madison and others. this is our well, men are men are created equal they're not created uh, nothing they have an intrinsic value. but you see, it seems to me like that if you declare yourself to be worthless with no intrinsic value, then somebody has tyranny over you, right? It seemed to me like that was a very basic principle of of this constitutional republic we call America. You know, we have rights, and we have basic inalienable rights in our governmental structures that come to us each individually. We're all equal under the law. There's no person that has you know more than another. That's what kings are. It's a problem of kings okay it's the divine right to rule type of thing but no so i i'm 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 reading this code this is back in 19 that in the in the uh, 1980s right and i'm sitting here this does not compute this is not logical because we we, we have to the whole premise of declaring our gross income on our report with our, you know, our tax returns is declaring, first of all, that we have an absolute zero basis in intrinsic value as a human being. And that's fundamentally wrong, in my opinion.
0: It is. Yeah. It's very. It, it does seem like it is made so that the majority of people fail. That's for sure.
1: And so I began to question. I said, "Now, um, this very fact that the code itself is as a basic problem and definition of what income is to begin with is got a, a root problem." So I got to tell you, that started my whole <laughs> disruption. <laughs> I began to think, "Well, I don't want to go on to law school, and and this if, if the very basis of our of our taxation is based on a real fundamental problem, declaring that every human being is intrinsically worthless. And so I, in my senior year of, of college, I went on and, and uh, uh, my my final examination in the field of, of tax accounting was to prepare. And we, we were all given the facts of, of a fictional individual and we use the tax code, the tax law, to do everything legally to, to lessen the tax burden. That's how you know, we're graded. That's what a good accountant is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what well, the whole basic of code then to me was establishing and keep in mind this was a year and a year in, in, in the making. Okay, because my accounting professor here in Utah said, "Well, let's you know write this out and get an opinion from the IRS in northern Utah, Ogden, Utah, IRS department." Okay, good idea. Here's and so I wrote out uh, the definitions under Black's Law Dictionary of income, and then the basic understanding that if you are invested in education okay, if you get uh, an advanced degree for instance you do that primarily to increase your status in society you su- you supply a goods or services as the case may be based on your knowledge and so your your intrinsic value increases it's kind of just to me logical common sense you know versus a a person with a low IQ you know that uh, maybe had brain damage or something and can only really can, can, can only work digging ditches. There are people in society to do that. They're still equal to us as far as a human the human equation, but their value to society is not as great. Thus, they make not, not make as much money. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm sitting here. All right, let's 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 analyze this. If we then have the very basis of valuation, then we should actually declare on our on our tax returns our, our basis. You don't really go in, and as I, as I explained in my example, if you have um, a certificate of deposit of like $250,000, you don't declare that entire $250,000 as income every year, do you? If you do, you're kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Because it, you, you only, whatever is investment, whether it's a bank account or a stock account or whatever, you only in, you know, do the increase on that basis every year. And that's your income. See? So, with that basis, I said, look, we have a basis of, of our uh, level of ex- experience, expertise, and our education levels, given, and there's, there's actual numbers in Bureau of Labor statistics. What the average person in, like, say, Canton, Ohio, makes as a CPA, these type of average median statistics based on given areas of the country. So I basically used that. I said, listen, uh, based on uh, four years of college and five years of, of work, here's the, here's the average. This is the intrinsic value of that particular profession. So... If I have a year where I don't make as quite as much as a median, I'm actually in a loss. But it's above that, I, I must declare my my basis to you, given the averages, that are, that are right there, you know, in the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Anyway, long story short, I saw this, and I wanted them to give me a ruling based on... On this uh, the basic understanding of what is basis and what is income Would you like to guess what happened Ryan?
0: I can't wait
1: <laughs> No response it was like black hole time no response Well, and, and that, so
0: that, that's scary. That's scary
1: Well, I submitted you right on I'm submit exactly because I I said First of all, I I said that the very act of of not replying to a registered return receipt letter from a university, right, Mm -hmm. is itself problematic. It's like, oh, maybe we've caught them in a loophole here, and they don't want to say yay or nay. They'd rather ignore the problem and hope it goes away. But I didn't let it stop there. So over a period of uh, my junior and senior year in the university, I sent them multiple letters. Okay, and I invoked the business law principles of, you know, if you you have a certain date and time to respond, if you do not, there's a um, legal term or it's deemed that you uh, acquiesce or you agree with the premise. And I don't know, I mean, this was all, all set out in a series of like, Six different letters over over about a year's time, and they none of them got a response. None of them. So well, there's a, you you it's called the principle of estoppel You 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 make and de- declare that with, if they don't don't respond, that by their own refusal to respond, it becomes uh, they agree with the with the proposal the terminology basically. Okay. So with that, you know, armed with that, I I finished my final exam with, uh, you know, establishing the basis of value of of the mythical, you know, taxpayer. (laughs) And and Bruce basically had had zero tax uh, liability. Well, I thought I was doing, doing, you know, uh, what a good accountant would do. But my tax uh, accounting professor had enough of it and uh, slapped a D-minus on my final exam. Ouch. Well, that, that was war. That was a declaration of war. Right? <laughs> because I've, been, I've been, follow, you've been following along the way. Just, you proceeded to do against, you know, we told you that you're thinking too deeply, and this and this, you haven't got, you have not got the responses from the Internal Revenue Service, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yada, yada. I said, well, that really bites as far as you know my my total GPA because I dropped my finals, you know, finals like C minus, which really messed up my GPA. And I said, this isn't going to stand. And I'm, I mean, I just I set up set up shop in the professor's uh, office, and he finally got so tired of me, he says, give me that damn paper. And gave me a, an A minus. He wouldn't give me an A, but he gave me an A minus. Like,
0: get out of my head. <laughs> He knew what he was up against. And you know uh-uh. what? What's odd about this, true, is you know just the very and and this is it's one of the big brother and the IRS is something I try not to uh, get in the ring with. And you know, I was reading that most presidents forward their tax returns to the following year. So I figured that was good advice. But when you actually look at it from, you know, a systematical perspective, even the word code, uh, I looked up the definition of the word code, you know, like as in IRS code, and the definition is a system of words, letters, figures, or other symbols substituted for other words, letters, etc., especially for the purposes of secrecy. And it does seem as if corporations, S-Corps, LLCs, etc., all of these quote-unquote entities that the elites use to kind of octopus around this situation and have these tentacles, which can play by different rules than the individual, it does seem that these business structures allow for this exact sort of thing this code this this secret code that they get away with murder financially and the rest of us do not and it's it's really you know evident i think in these days um, especially with companies such as blackrock and um, this modern financial technology that seems to make the problem worse because derivatives allow asset liability to mismatch and they're highly leveraged and they spread among all all of these counterparties and alliances and hard to find ways. When the panic strikes, I mean, even the central banks seem to be willing to act as lenders and a last resort, but they cannot, as in we saw this in 2008, um, when a collapse happens, I mean, what is going to play out here? And I, I think we see what's coming. A lot of people have seen, you know, these procurement issues and we see these uh supply chain issues there's more coming down the pipe isn't there
1: Oh absolutely and again it's not accidental let me again I, I think we set the stage for what i wanted to talk about here yeah yeah going very well and that's a that's a very good very good point about the code uh like the da vinci code all of these these ciphers and and whatever it's a secret language it really Truly is I, I I stumbled on that myself, so it's really amazing that you picked up on that. Uh, yeah, but let's 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 proceed to 1984 when I went into this. Uh, I received the scholarship back to Wall Street.
0: Mm-hmm. I was
1: in the top two percentile of of financial planning uh, based on on this aptitude test that I that I scored on. So anyway, I'm, I'm 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 invited to a four-week high-level scholarship of, on Wall Street. We were put up at the Marquis Marriott uh, penthouse suites there at, on Broadway, and uh, we were first uh, Monday morning that uh, we rang the opening bell there at uh, started the trading. Oh man. The, 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 the sharks, and all, everything. You, <laughs> I mean, I was living this in 1984. And I'm sitting here, um, the, the day typically went like this. We would start out with some guest speakers of some high-level individuals, and then we would go, uh, you know, literally get hands-on uh, from top to bottom, the, the, uh, the Wall Street itself, as far as the New York Stock Exchange, the Amex, all of it, uh, derivatives, uh, arbitrage, the whole nine yards okay, how it, how it all operate, how it fit into one neat hole. Uh, the World Trade Center was an amazing um, uh, inside tour, just by the way, uh, seeing as how the, the entire building, um, the Twin Towers are actually constructed. We went on a, an intensive tour of, of the engineering of those towers and how it's anchored to the bedrock of Manhattan, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, we were... Literally, given the insiders' inside tour, and so keep in mind. Now we're being trained as how well to really manage risk and risk management from A to Z. And you know, if you remember, remember that movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy,
0: loved you know? it. Yeah,
1: Aaron Russo was the the director of that movie. Okay, uh, but everything about how Wall Street operates based on inside knowledge is so key to the whole system. And and for what it's worth, we were kind of given the inside track of the inside knowledge. So I realized pretty quickly this was a unique opportunity to, to write my golden ticket uh, that I would be able to be a millionaire many times over in just a few years' time. And I was like, "Wow, this is this is really a, a fantastic opportunity." But here's where things really got out of you know. Again, it's like I'm going down the freeway with a Maserati at 180 miles an hour, and hit reverse and just stripped the gears. Because in my in the final day of my four weeks there in Wall Street, we were given a, a, a morning appearance by. Uh, Paul Volcker of the Federal Reserve uh, Chairman, Fed Fed Chairman Paul Volcker comes in and proceeds to just absolutely strip my gears. We keep in mind we have all of these. I have this grandiose plans of of what I'm going to do to to uh, concentrate on on uh, FX trading. You know the. Um, all the derivatives all of this and how you can actually put logarithms and computers to work when I mean, it could fail safe I mean you just have to do the work and you can make millions okay and so here's here's Paul Volcker coming up and I'm sitting not five feet away from him Ryan as he comes in with his you know his secretary and I guess some security people proceeds to come up and take a, a, a metal wastebasket, put it up on his table that he's using as a prop, and takes out one of his uh, Cuban you know, green stogie cigars, bites the end of it off, uh, has his metal wastebasket, and proceeds to put the stogie in his mouth and pull out of, out of his pocket a money clip with money I had personally never seen before, okay? And he pulls one bill out of the cliff and, and kind of, you know, it's crisp and a brand-new-looking bill, and guess who's on the front of it? President Woodrow Wilson. Because um, I'm, I'm not five feet away from the man. I'm looking at this, okay, Woodrow Wilson, hmm. And I'm seeing that's a $100,000 Federal Reserve bill. One hundred thousand dollars.
0: Unbelievable.
1: And he you know, he clicks it and then he he proceeds to 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 scrunch it up and then takes out uh, what looks like a, a golden lighter, you know, gold cigarette cigar lighter, and but he lights doesn't light his cigar with it. He catches the Federal Reserve note, the hundred thousand dollar bill with on fire, lets it burn up, and he uses that to light and puff away on his doge, his cigar. And as it burns, he drops it into the paper, the metal waste basket. And I'm sitting there. Well, that was an interesting lesson. He's got money to burn up now. And big bill. I never. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a hundred thousand uh, dollar Woodrow Wilson bill before. No. <laughs> and so he he puffs on his cigar for you know for emphasis, and then proceeds to take out another hundred thousand dollar bill and shows, you know, looks around and says, and This is his his whole object lesson is this. He says this is not for you. Well, what do you mean, not for us? Heck it is, isn't it? Mean, give me that hundred thousand dollars and watch what I'll do with it. No, the, the message was this is he said this this is for the consumption of the GOI. No, I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm a, I'm a young Mormon boy from Utah. Um what GOI? Gee, is, was that an acronym for gross over income? G O I? What what in the hell is he talking about? And I remember writing on my my legal pad, G O I question mark question. What is gross over What is what is going? Well, as he went on to explain, I realized that it was talking. He was talking about my the people in my in my class. I I after the about the third week, I realized I was the only non-Jewish fellow that was there. Everybody else was. Had Rosenstein or Goldstein or Goldman Sachs, they were all these investment banking elite, and they were many. They were all Jewish. I was not, and they, they many of them had the Yamoks on and and this type of thing. And, and I was left on for Saturday. Whenever they're at the at the at uh, uh, the, mot- the hotel rooms on Saturday, they were all gone on Saturday Sabbath, and so I realized well. What is that? Now I know what it means. Goy is, is the Yiddish term for human cattle or human livestock. I didn't know it then, but I've learned it since mm. what, what they were referring to. And so I'm, I'm, okay, what is not for us? What do you mean not for us? And here's, here's his message. Because after, again, like I said, Maserati on the freeway, 160 miles an hour and having your gear stripped. Here's, here's how my gears were stripped. He then brought out of his pocket a whole handful of, of gold, and silver, coins, pure silver, and you know considered just to shake them, clink, 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 and showed us. He said, "You must understand, the paper, is just that. Do not." do not build paper. It's for the consumption of the going, not for you. And he proceeded to tell us, then, he gave us, handed out a, a really nice laminated little index card with the, the key numbers to the United States Treasury mints. And not only that, but the South African mints, the Canadian mints, the you know, uh, on and on, where you can get cougarands or other, other form of gold from other national mints. And the, the whole message was, you take all of your quarterly earnings of profit, less expenses, and you transfer them 100% into gold, primarily gold, he said, and, and if you like silver, a little silver, but mostly gold, he said. And you do it in the form of these coins, not so much the bullion. Okay. I'm sitting here. Oh, this guy's missing the boat. I I gotta tell you, that's was that was my initial knee jerk reaction, and it was like, okay, yeah, he's he's way old fashioned and eccentric. Come on, I I just spent you know almost four weeks learning how to, to scientifically build one hell of a portfolio and to make mutual funds and, and do commodities exchanges, all of this. And you want me to put everything into a commodity of gold? That's ridiculous. That that was my, I didn't voice that, but that was my thoughts. Like you, you're out, you're an outdated old fogey, you know, and so on. But that's, is everybody is everybody else, you know, of the same opinion as me, and and I guess that's my ego, my thought. Well, you know, who's this old old fogey, you know, to tell us all this?
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: but the rest of the people had had absolute respect. The other twenty or so of my classmates took it very seriously, and so Chairman Volker's. Um, Presentation was all of maybe ten, maybe fifteen minutes, Ryan. And and that's what and he concluded with that. And he says that's the message. You put these, and he, and he explained about what uh, what the mint series '70s coins are going to be, uh, why they're so valuable. To look look for the mint series, get them, you know, uncirculated, store them in a um, offshore account safety deposit box in, in Switzerland or the Cayman Islands or, you know, just make, and it gave us a list of all of that, where to put these, this gold and, and or silver MS-70 coins. I'm saying, well, they're pretty. Okay. But not everything, surely. Maybe 25% of, a, of a asset value would be very conservative but not a hundred percent. Surely that's it's kind of, I thought it was a little eccentric to say the least. And so when he finished up and he's still puffing away on his, on his stogie, right. He's still puffing and, and it smelled pretty nasty, but and he <laughs> says, any, any questions? Well, I looked around and, well, I had a question, a big question, but nobody else raised their hand, So I did. I, he looked at me and he says, Oh, you're the Mormon boy from Utah. Like, really? Do I look that do I look that ostentatious? Do I <laughs> I go, Yes, sir. He goes, Yes, you your question. I said, Chairman Volker, with all due respect, isn't this like putting all of our eggs into one basket? Shouldn't we you know we've learned this whole you know, month about diversification of, of risk? Why should we put all of our eggs in one basket, sir? And he acted like he didn't even hear me. You know, he just kept puffing away on his stogie, just puff, puff. And it it seemed like an eternity, but it was maybe three or four minutes, you know. Click, you know, time just clicked by. And he said, never forget this. Until you have these, and he put put the the gold uh, coins and that out of his bag, click, click, click. Until you have these, you have no eggs. Wow. That was his message. That was his message.
0: So we are literally talking about the death of money and currency as we know it. And it, it seems like the global elites have this dark agenda or effort to hide this coming catastrophe from investors. I mean, you turn on CNBC or any of your mainstream news outlets and they keep minimizing anything that we blatantly see coming.
1: It's all hypnosis uh, to me. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting people to to be... Shall we put, you know, sedated, if you will? I, I see it so very clearly, and you know, there's, there's something that I, that I've been following, actually since this day in, in New York City, uh, since meeting Chairman Volker in this, in this structure, because I gotta tell you, I'll be honest with you, it was like, is this guy crazy? Mm-hmm. Really? But no, he's the chairman of the freaking Fed. And he actually said this, not one of the things he said in the presentation. The people that I work for, he said, the people that I work for, he said, the day will come where he had the Woodrow Wilson $100,000 bill and a George Washington $1 bill. He says, these will be indistinguishable in value. I will, he says, I do not know when this will happen. It may not be in my lifetime. But the men I work for know that it is in the long-term plan. This will not – there will be no more value in these, which is why he burnt the $100,000 bill for his object lesson. So I'm sitting here. Okay, what is this all about? That's what I'm talking about. You, you, the, the gears are stripped. The, it's it's like, like I have to rethink this whole thing, like the like – the, gross income versus net income, the definition of income. It's like, wait a minute. What is happening here? Again, this is 1984, Ryan, okay? So I'm, I'm thinking about this deeply, like I w- that in my accounting classes, and as I'm flying back to Utah, I flew into Las Vegas airport, actually, and as I landed, I'm just like, wait a minute is you know is it is paper really all that important because think about it our stocks our stock market our bond market they're all debentures they are promises to pay They're debt instruments the Federal Reserve note that we call our dollar bill is a debt instrument it's not real money and not real wealth whatsoever I had to under, I had to come to understand that and you know you can think about it all we you know we, we say well we've got to have these uh, federal Reserve notes in large amounts in uh, whatever a bank account or what have you but really it's nothing but paper and I had to come to that I mean, it was not easy to come to grips with it because you know it's like an absolute new paradigm shift. At least it was to me. So I'm kind of awake awakened with this, and I'm seeing this how it's worked. I've I've seen you know the markets go into, into its gyrations so again. What happened in 2008? Actually, I wrote a, a manuscript. I was going to publish into a book. I did this in, in 1987. I wrote the book called The Coming Rush to Liquidity and the Cashless Society, based exactly on what Volcker had said that day in, in in New York to me. And I was like, okay, what do we need to look for and what is our, our goals and aspirations based on that new paradigm shift? If Volcker is accurate and the federal reserve notes are going to be worthless toilet paper. What do we really need to focus on? And so I, I began with my investment counseling to people. I, I became extremely bullish on gold and silver. This just just as nothing else. And, and, you know, here's the reality. Can I, can I share this big secret with the listeners?
0: Please do. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Is, uh, if I had followed Paul Volcker's advice in 1980, 1984 and put all, I mean, every bit of my excess, my income, into gold and silver crew grants offshore, I guess especially focusing on what's called MS-70 coins, my nah, goodness. I, I, I went back and calculated. I, I should have. I didn't. I wish I had. Here's a fact. If you take just one Silver Eagle from the U.S. Mint that's what's called the MS-70, Mint Series 70, which is the highest grading, if they're put under plastic, Ryan. They're sealed, and they're given a barcode, the MS-70 code. It's by the Numismatic Guarantee Corporation, NGC. You take just one of those, one silver Eagle, certified U.S. mint, NSG MS70. one every month, just one. Since 1984, I did the calculations. Go and look at the NGC's calculations, just one a month, I would have 1.4 million dollars value
0: in a portfolio unbelievable and it's shocking you know this is something my grandfather told me and i didn't believe him either and once upon a time he showed me i believe it was a 500 hundred dollar bill a thousand dollar bill i think the thousand dollar bill was pink but they also had five and ten thousand dollar bills and like you said hundred thousand dollar bills in circulation and these were no longer needed. And that that's a scary thing. In 1969, I guess they got rid of them. And it all seems that this this is it, it's gone one step further now in modern days, hasn't it, with these crazy NFTs and cryptocurrencies and literally people storing value in something that is not backed by anything.
1: Amen, brother. I mean, that's really I I'm watching this and saying an NFT. I mean, you know what Tom Brady did. I mean, look what I mean, he takes this this NFT non non uh, uh, fungible tra- uh, token and makes a, a an imaginary Super Bowl football. It's a yeah, it's a work of art on the on the on the internet and the in the uh, um, the electronic world and proceeds to you know make millions on this. NFT and yet what is the millions he's made it only exists you know in the metaverse doesn't it it doesn't you know can you still buy things with it when you transfer transfer your your cryptos out from the the metaverse you know to to the real world yeah right now you can (laughs) but it only exists you know in in the widgets of, of the computer algorithms
0: exactly what what happens when the internet goes down, you know? It, it's, I, you know,
1: it's exactly right.
0: And these untangibles, I mean, you can't easily... It seems like the web of transactions... This In a domino-style crash, when this all comes tumbling down, the last thing anybody's going to want to do is figure out this web of imaginary transactions that nobody, you know, they're like... They're NFTs. They're non-fungible. They're not real. I mean, it says so in the name.
1: Yeah, but it's a a a lot of our millennials, uh, people are just that is the reality to them. And I I'm I mean I've actually was on a conference call with a gentleman who's uh uh he's a he's a psychoanalyst actually, and there's a there's a whole new series of, of of diagnosed social disorders where people are actually believing that the metaverse is the real world and that reality is fictional. I mean, they really are to the point where they're going in their, in their, in their uh, metaverse world and thinking they, they can get nourishment for their bodies just by imagining they're eating a banquet of, of, of board while their body is is withering away and and getting malnourished and getting actual rickets and other other disease states I and mean, that's that's amazing to me.
0: Yeah. This is this is fascinating to me because people do not see they keep calling it a mild recession. They don't think that a new great depression can take place. And for those of us and I know that you surely had family that you talked to that went through the great depression Um, it's a real deal. It's a real thing. And I remember my grandma telling me stories of going to the bank to get her money out and they just locked the doors. They said, we don't have it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it all goes back to, again, the, the core origin. So in a way I'm, I'm blessed in that when I received this information from Volker and I began doing my own, uh, intensive digging and researching, and I began to really study the, you know, I mean, Thomas Jefferson, I've got to tell you, this man's a genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the cipher codes he came up with to communicate with Lewis and Clark, you know, because of all of the, uh, there was so much skullduggery in spy versus spy even back in the early 1800s. Uh, you know what, that cipher code of Jefferson was just, just barely cracked in 2009 by MIT computer guru. That's how complicated and, and sophisticated Jefferson's cipher was. His code. Man, the man was uh, way ahead of his time mentally. <laughs> but be that as it may, he understood these these principles of liberty and freedom inherent with the human experience. That, on the soul itself, the soul's journey. Man, it's, it's very, very important to understand that liberty, as far as making the correct choices, is indelibly tied, as Jefferson found, with what he called found money. I mean, the the origins of sound money being silver and gold historically, going back to the dawn of creation. There's a reason why gold and silver is ordained according to, to Jefferson by the Creator Himself as the means of sound money exchanges. It's, it's pretty amazing. You can't, in other words, man cannot make uh, gold or silver. And and Volker understood that. You know the the philosopher stones of the ancient world. They tried to turn lead into gold. I mean, look at the periodic table. Lead, Pb. And gold, AU, is just one, one electron difference, just one. Mm-hmm. And yet, look at the difference uh, in what it does. And it's, you know, gold is gold is uh, a beneficial substance as far as health and wellness, and lead is toxic. Just one little electron difference. And lead is not shiny and beautiful, but, you know, like gold is. So what's and even silver, you know, the AU on the periodic table, I mean, silver has all of these medicinal qualities i mean it's antibacterial antiviral so much of so many things with silver there's a reason why our forefathers all made you know their their kitchen trays out of pure silver and silverware because it's antibacterial and, and actually keeps harmful um, aerobic bacteria a day, actually. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that. But you bring up such good points where it comes to health and wellness. And I know that you're in this field, true. Um, You you recently and I want to thank you for this for coming on the podcast, you recently had a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And with many, many, you're healing extremely well, which I expected you you're very familiar with the human body and what it takes to be healthy and wealthy and wise. And um, I, I just wanted to thank you for that. But many patients are unaware of all of the precious metals that are involved in a lot of the medical industry, the petroleum industry, the computer industry. I, I mean, it's unbelievable in, in the refining process of oil I recently found out that there are these massive platinum screens they need to use that nothing else will work. And I mean, these things have been known ever since the pharaohs of Egypt. I mean, you follow into the Templars and when people started first writing these notes of currency, you know, basically proving that they had money back home uh, in storage. Uh, You go into the Black Nobility and it's this is just all, all the way to the Federal Reserve. This has been sort of a code um, that these these paper trinkets with numbers on them, all they did was represent gold somewhere stored for you. Unfortunately, that gold is no longer stored for you, is
1: it? Well, that's a key thing, and most people don't realize this, what, what happened with uh... Uh, remember it Kissinger? Mm-hmm. Uh, what he did in 1971 and Tricky Dick Nixon, when when Kissinger ordered the uh, and Nixon signed it into law, reserve note was no longer tied to gold. It it, was, it became free free flying at that point. Uh, and then, of course. Uh, just a few years prior to that, in 1965, Lyndon Baines Johnson, a trained Jesuit from Georgetown University, by the way, flat out uh, gutted the 1792 Coinage Act. Gutted it and made our our silver coinage debased with, with common metals of nickel and and tin and other problems. I mean, it's just not, you, you, you set, a, set aside the precious metals of silver in our coinage, and got what Jefferson would have, you know, Jefferson fought and, and would have died for the 1792 Coinage Act, and America just was asleep at the switch. Yeah. What happened? I mean, it's amazing, and 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 I've i I've, I've watched all of uh, the you know of LBJ's commentaries there at the Rose Garden as he signed the 1965 Coinage Act into law. And I'm just like, you are a liar. You have I mean, why is your nose not going like Pinocchio, Mr. Johnson? Holy mackerel. He's saying such things as well. Silver is in short supply. Uh, no, not really. Not in America.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lie. It's a con. And it's all in the name of convenience, which is like the state of being able to proceed with something with little effort or difficulty And it creates a class of people, I won't use this word, but the elites do, useless eaters, people that have no intrinsic value, as you mentioned. And when people worry about these globalists and their dark plans, you know, in a way, I I get where they're coming from. I mean, these are the Merovingians, you know, these 13 bloodlines that kind of got the keys early on. Um, on how to hoodwink society, and it's not that difficult. All you have to do is give them the state of being able to proceed with something with little effort or difficulty. They don't want to carry their own gold, so just give them a piece of paper while you carry the gold for them.
1: Exactly. You know, 1971 to the present day, 2022, mm-hmm. there's what's called the disparity gap. We hear all this all the time, the rich have gotten richer, the poor have gotten poorer. Really, but you look at... at At Wall Street, uh, the the elite like Volcker and the boys, right? Versus you know Main Street, the you know the truots, the the uh, small peons of the world, and in Main Street America, the reality is there's a wealth gap of immense proportions, getting getting worse and worse every single year. It's never been, didn't get any better at all during you know the COVID years. And it's still it's designed this way. So what the, what this all is saying is the elite understand the principles of sound money, gold and silver, and they utilize those. The Paul Volkers have never abandoned that. And so the wealth gap has gotten worse and worse and worse. When people like you know most people rely on Federal Reserve notes and bank accounts, and and you know Main Street. <laughs> America versus Wall Street—the disparity gap has gotten amazingly huge. Fact, and yet it's never too late to come back and go back to these these principles of what is real wealth. Never too late, never. Uh, and I think this, the, the urgency is—I mean—it's time, past time, to to you know go back to these basic principles. First of all. Silver and gold is not um, that rare in America. We've been blessed as a nation, and and people don't realize this, you know. But but Utah, Utah, the number one export in Utah the last five years, you'd be surprised that the number one export, manufactured export, is gold in Utah.
0: Unbelievable!
1: And, 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 I, I tell this in my seminars. People look at me like, really? I says, Oh yeah, really check it out okay uh we're talking billions uh last in fiscal 2021 it was like nine billion dollars worth of gold you know extracting put into the system and that's just in utah what about nevada you know the silver state and all the mining that's gone on silver silver is really you know per capita ryan right? let's look back at 1792 the silver, Spanish silver dollars were so rare, but they were the king of commerce. And that's what you peg things on. You look at what happened in, in 1965. We had like uh, uh, 150 times more silver per capita. And, and LBJ lies and says uh, silver's rare. And we have a coinage shortage. No, no, no. The Cornish... <laughs> The coinage shortage (laughs) was never greater than 1792. It was very rare. But you see, that's what makes it the basis of value. My goodness.
0: And it has been since the beginning of time, since... The Canaanites, yeah. Babylon, Roman Empire, the Templars, I mean, the Vatican, uh, you name it, the Masons, basically Illuminati in general. The Jesuits have known this for quite some time. And I find it interesting when when people say, you know, there's no value in gold and silver. And yet all my buddies are collecting, you know, watches, and they're wondering why their watches have doubled in value in the last 10 years, <laughs> you know?
1: Can I give you an, a classic example of what happened to me over Memorial Day?
0: Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I have, a, I have a, a, a summer home up in North Idaho at a place called Lake Ponderé. And my, my good friend up there, he's a third generation. He's, he's run this marina. Uh, he's, he's now 67, 68 years of age. His name's Gary. Well, Gary had his yeah, had 65th birthday, his His family gave him this really nice gift, uh, a really uh, you know big picture uh, blown up and colorized. and so he put it into a frame and hung it right there in his store, the marina store there. It's really cool because it was it was the morning of Gary's birth, okay uh, in in 1954. Uh, the picture of the dock, the, the day that everything was stamped on it, this is, this is about the, the time of his birth when he came out of the birth canal, 1954. And it's a really cool picture of, of uh, the gas pump and this really nice uh, old woody boat, you know, one of those really nice speedster boats gassing up there. And you can see the gas pump price, 26 cents a gallon. Okay. Whoa. And okay, wait a minute. This was 1954. And, and so I I knew I was going to come up and, and I had a, I wanted to come and, and show this to Gary, my friend. I and and I, I I think it rocked his world. I hope it did anyway. Because I came up and I I I'm a I, I've always been a big fan of what's called junk silver. Okay. You can buy anywhere from Five hundred face value bags of quarters, dimes, half dollars, etc. Uh, Their they're junk silvers is basically, you know, silver coins before 1965 coinage. act. And in those bags, you can find some pretty neat little treasures if you want to sift through them, because they're just they're just bank bags, okay? hmm <laughs> I mean, it's, they're kind of fun, but anyway, i i I have my I have bags of, of quarters. And I'm pulling out and, and and I found some and these are looked like uncirculated, shiny, brand new quarters, uh, 1958 uh, Denver Mint, Dean Mint. Now those are you can you can get a Denver Mint in good good uh, uncirculated condition, shiny. It's going to be about $230 uh, value in that one coin. Okay, and and these are all prices by there's a, a company I've used for years and years. AMPEX, American Precious Metals Exchange, AMPEX, okay? Mm-hmm. And what happens, you, you can just go on AMPEX and say, okay, here's a here's a Denver man, this type of quarter, it's value condition, and they'll give you, if you have, a, have an account with them and they know you, they'll give you a, a pretty good appraisal value in U.S. dollars right there to get it up to them, okay? So here's what I did. I I... I <laughs> This was just Memorial Day, okay, of this year. And, of course, uh, um, gas at the pump, not only the marina pump, it spiked up to $6.49 a gallon and was going to go up even further after Memorial Day. So I'm, I'm going up and uh, I'm seeing this, and here I have two coins in my pocket. I have, I have the, the, the Denver Mint coin that's really shiny and bright, and it's a quarter, but it's you know pure silver, ninety percent silver, called jump silver. And then I have uh, a, a one that's really pretty, pretty tarnished and and worn, pretty heavy. It's a 1950-55 quarter. And I have both of them appraised. I have appraisal on my cell phone from Ampex. Okay, anything quarter-wise, nineteen. 19- 65 and, and older, will be getting anywhere from $6 and 50 cents, you know, buy, you know, they'll, they'll buy it from you and from 650 to up to 850, depending on, on how really, if it's worn or beat up or not, you know, but the minimum is like 650. That's the buy rate. They'll buy it from you at that and they'll sell it for like $8. Okay. And in like a $1 buck or buck 50 spread. So I'm, I'm having this, and I've come up, and, and I have this, this uh, Denver mint that's appraised at $238 uh, um, or a buy rate of 210 It's like a $20 spread. And I have both of these coins in my pocket. I come up to, to, to Gary McDonald's uh, pump, and I'm waiting because there's, there's a long line. It's Memorial Day, and it's you know long line of boats. But I I get in line, come in, I pump $100 $100, uh, at $6.40 some odd cents for gal, right? Mm -hmm. I come into the store and I said, "Uh, Gary, I'll I'll make you a one-time offer here, buddy. I'll give you, uh, would you, I could pay you in a credit card for this $100 or I can give you this coin right here in payment. And it was a shiny, you know, Denver mint quarter 19, 1958. And he looks at me and he says, that's just a quarter. I says, "Ah, oh, okay. So you say no? He goes, yeah. No, I'm not interested. So I said, second time, one more time. Do you want to take this coin in payment from a $100 bill? No, no. So I, I asked him three times. I said, Are you sure, Gary? Last time next to me and we've, we've known each other for years for 20 plus years and so he's looking at me like what what are you trying to teach me here true this is just a quarter I said well look at it here okay you said no for the third time here is Ampex appraised value on my cell phone $238 okay <laughs> you could package this up and get it for 200 bucks to Ampex and you'd make a $100 bill but you didn't, so, okay, no problem. He goes, well, I'm not into that. I says, okay, but how about this, Gary? Here's an old, you know, uh, not a Denver mint. It's, it's tarnished and looks, you know, pretty pretty ratty. How about if I give you one of these for a gallon of your gas at $6.40 a gallon? He says, Okay, true. What's your, what is happening now? I said, well, look at it, Gary. Here's here's Amtech's appraised value. This coin right here, the worst possible. You know, it's it's almost worn. It it looks terrible. It's still bringing six dollars and fifty cents as the buy rate. In other words, you're not going to get hurt taking this quarter for $6 and 50 cents a gallon gas. Mm-hmm. He looks at me like, well, I'm not into that. I says, well, maybe you should be into that because here's my point to you, Gary. I walked up, put my arm around him, walked him up to his big picture that's blowing up. I said, look at that picture the day you were born. 26 cents a gallon, Gary. And you were using these coins. Exactly.
0: Unbelievable. He was,
1: yeah. He looked at me and he, he blinks his eyes. I mean, he was like Twilight Zone. You gonna almost hear Rod Sterling, do-do-do-do-do-do. Because, I mean, it, he didn't, he started shaking, actually. He says, oh, my goodness. I said, Gary, the, the point I'm trying to make to you is it's not the money this silver that is the problem. It's this nonsense called plastic and credit cards and worthless Federal Reserve notes. You can always buy the same amount with this quarter always, no matter what it is. Whether it's goods and services or labor or wages, that's my message to you today. He was like, True, you he never ceased to get me thinking.
0: <laughs> and I know we're going a little over here, True, but it does seem as if cowardly choices are ruining uh, most people's ability to hang on to their wealth. And with this coming catastrophe that could be the next financial crisis, what, other than purchasing gold, What are your recommendations? Uh, I think you said buy coins are better than bullion. There's particular types that are the best to buy. What do you recommend to listeners to kind of help them out a little bit?
1: Very good question. That's the whole reason for for coming on. Thanks for cutting the chase on that. You know, it's not just about buying gold and silver, whether it's junk or, or coins or hiding under your bed. No, no, no. It's about getting them out and using together as a society. That's really what has to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. In other words, you have to you have to use it as currency. Sound money must be spread evenly, and currency must be given. Okay. You don't want to buy a bunch of, of U.S. Eagles and sit there, uh, have them in your in your closet or hiding away under your bed or. Like some people I know even bury them okay because when you need to use them you you know you're at the, you're at the mercy of the coin dealer say so this is a problem you really have to understand that uh, there's the next phase is you're not going to have federal reserve notes i' right? I don't know exactly when my guess is probably this fall mm-hmm it, uh, first part of, of December when the Christmas rush hits, they'll you know Biden is already establishing this as 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 pretty much the the, the standard. No more currency, no more federal reserve notes. It costs them too much to print them,
0: and they're worthless. So they're gonna,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going to go to an actual central bank digital currency or CBDC. It's going to happen.
0: Unbelievable,
1: okay, so the central bank digital currency will be tied into to a social credit scoring There's the the it's called an s e g score social economic and governmental Absolutely, it's 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 all in place. It just you just don't know about it. Okay, so the SDG score will be like the like your credit score with the three you know, Equifax and and credit reporting. Except so the social scoring will be you know how how um, how much are you in, into into saving the planet from you know are you driving a gas guzzling car or are you driving a, a Tesla? Okay, these are all going into your to your um, your your social economic and uh, ESG, economic, social, and governmental scores. All this will come out and, and determine how much leverage you have in the electronic digital world. It's ultimate control, ultimate control.
0: Such scary times. It really is. And, you know, that, that the one thing that my friends who I've recommended that they buy gold and silver, their big complaint and pushback is, oh, but you've got to pay 10%, you know, like you said, when you exchange, when you purchase, when you sell. And yet, that 10% lies within, at least traditionally, like within that biblical range of usury fee. And they're extremely willing to go use their credit card, which is going to charge them in the high twenties percent if they don't pay. And it's just a very it's a different mindset that we have with these digital currencies and people just want convenience, they don't want to do any of the work. And I I think I think you are really kind of breaking it down for for me at least and perfectly explaining how simple how simple this all really is.
1: Well, here's the deal. I I saw this 20 years ago, Ryan, and I you know, I, I, I mapped out in my unpublished manuscript, even back in 1987, the coming rush to liquidity in the cashless society. Given what Volcker said, okay, let's go full circle of the first part of the interview, okay? Mm-hmm. What do you do when, not if, but when, this all comes to fruition? Well, you have to really understand that we, the people, uh, are are the merchants. I mean, it's us, not the banks. We are the masters, not the banks. Okay? So I, I wrote this back then. I'm so, so true today. We've got to, to come together as, first of all, under, at the grassroots understanding of the problem. I think I've given you the, the basics of the problem. So how do we fix it? Okay? Well, we... Understand, first of all, that you have to have, an, in a basic structure, outside of the banks themselves, you have to have go back to, to what happened in 1933 under FDR, when he made it illegal for people to own more than, than 10 ounces of gold, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was executive order, and they were told to turn their gold in. You know what the untold story is? a lot of the, the, the merchants gathered together, they banded together, especially the farmers' unions in the Midwest. And they basically said, hell no, we're not doing this, no matter what. We see the writing on the wall. And so they formed these cooperatives, okay? And they said, we will not turn our gold in. We will use them as we see fit." And it, and so they they really can't attack a hundred thousand co-op, you know, hundred thousand member co-op, but they did attack, you know, individuals that were, you know, not part of a group, a co-op. So in this whole rem, you know, uh, there's a there's a group of, of individuals that I've come come acquainted with, and I'm just loving the relationship with them because they understand these principles. They they have a outside of the banking laws they can go into like a costco group membership co-op and can combine like the the uh the farmers and that did in the 30s and during the great depression really and just say we don't need government we need to unite as, as grassroots the farmers still produce you know the the lumbermen and the miners still produce why do we need government to tell us what we need to do? We just combine and go grassroots. And that's what I'm talking about here.
0: Epic. Such great information. Yeah. I mean, I know we've gone over a little bit, but I could talk to you for hours and hours <laughs> about this. Um, You've really kind of enveloped the my biggest fear, which is that this is coming. And it does sure seem like it's coming with everything that's happening and it, it With all this money we've sent over to Ukraine, it, it really seems as if we've been printing money out of thin air with nothing to back it. And this new digital dollar has me scared to death. Um, I hope it doesn't happen, as I tell my wife, but I'm pretty sure it's going to. Um, is there any other resources or advice you can give listeners before we kind of wrap things up?
1: Yeah, I, would, uh, I mean, this is... If you got anything at all from this, get involved in a cooperative. Whether it's seven, k there's a group called it's called Seven K Metals. stands for seven thousand years. This is this is the final seven thousand year wrap up, and so it goes back to this whole basis. You, first of all, using the cooperative leverage of of a hundred thousand strong buyers, they're able to get the the best pricing on the Amex. I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry. The uh, the silver eagles and gold eagles at the Treasury Mints, the best price possible. I mean, it really is amazing. I've never seen anything better with this Ampex or or money metals or whatever. And- they have the best volume pricing on this particular thing. So you get you get gold and silver eagles. You put them. In, they have a program called the Sound Money Wallet. You own the physical gold and silver. Okay. But they to, to to use them as currency, they do it as a as a form of a crypto, but it's based on this the there's actual dollar for dollar, ounce for ounce in this in this exchange. And there's no fee whatsoever, zero fee for members. Zero. And it doesn't matter what size, it can be fifty cents if you want. It's it's an it's genius, I'm telling you. Right, it's an answer. So what what you do, uh, members to members. Let's say that you come up to my business and, and I'm a member, you're a member of 7K. You buy my products. I price it at. I can do it in, in ounces of silver or even Federal Reserve notes, depending on the scales, right, of inflation. You transfer. You make the make the make the transfer from money sound money wallet to sound money wallet you transfer in equivalent of gold and silver as your case may be. And that way you're always hedged against this inflationary cycle. You're always protected. That's what needs to happen.
0: And for those in search of health and happiness, um, can we tell listeners about your business and where they can purchase your products?
1: Well, Surely uh, my, my, my company's called mother earth minerals. we, Actually, have 20, 21 medicinal minerals and in, and in, in solute to be taken sublingually into the bloodstream, from calcium and magnesium to silver and gold. Actually, it's all part of uh, the 21 minerals that Dr. Linus Pauling taught me how to do in the early 1990s. And so, yeah, we we have these. Um, the the website is me minerals me That stands for Mother Earth. Mother Earth Minerals is my company, meminerals.com is my website, um, and again, if you want to go into learning about the 7K metals, which I'm telling you is genius, I, I have, I've I spent my due diligence, I've gone out and i spent days just analyzing this from a, a very what-could-go-wrong type of standpoint. I mean... I hope I'm being very objective with it. They've passed with flying colors this whole this whole group and they're located in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh, 7K is 7k metals plural 7K metals 7kmetals.com forward slash true, T-R-U-E, ott. And it'll get you right to the basic explanation of what the, the company can do. And I'm telling you, uh, every way, shape, and form, they've got the bases covered. They have passed my uh, due diligence uh, investigation with flying colors, Ryan. I can't, I can't recommend them highly enough.
0: That sounds like the way to go. And again, I cannot thank you enough for helping. And it's comforting to know people like you with your knowledge base are out there helping kind of keep some of the sheep from slaughter when this, when this global crisis comes to a head. And uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for coming on and chatting again and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Very good. Thank you for having me. You're a godsend, Ryan. Be well.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from someone who doesn't just know economics, but lives it. One of the most knowledgeable individuals I've ever spoken to who is just about as responsible as it comes financially. Hold on, let me print some money here in the background, because it's worthless. For those of you who uh, are all about the credit cards, yeah, let me print some money so you can pay those off. It's, uh, It's all about printing money, and the printing of money is going to end. I mean, this has become something that is just out of our control. And I think that it has been perfectly explained in a very easy-to-understand format by True. Definitely check out all of his efforts. His name is True Ott, and you can go to meminerals.com to purchase an array of his products, which are the very best of the best. Mother Earth Minerals, again, me.com. I'm sorry, meminerals.com. Definitely check him out. One of the originals in the field. The very best products for your health and wellness. And some great and sound financial advice and wisdom if you're looking for happiness. Uh, looks like my money printer uh, just conked out. So, that's all you hear in the background forget the cash move to gold move to silver check out 7k and until next time keep your eyes to the skies feed on the ground but don't forget to take a look around oh and before i forget be sure to go to heroparanormal.com and subscribe or find us on patreon at hero paranormal it all helps it costs money to keep this podcast going and without it Ah, the motivation is, well, it's still there, but it's just harder to do for me. So I appreciate those of you that help. Off in my time machine, third I feel like an evising blast off. Blast off, blast off, blast off. Come, blast off in my time machine, there I feel like an evising blast off. Blast off, blast off.